Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to this week's edition of the artist formerly known as Troy Nunes is an Absolute Podcast, uh, future name to be revealed shortly. Uh, I am here as always, your host Steve Haller, coming to me, coming to me, coming to you also, Christian Guzman and Andy Pregler. It's been one of those days, guys. How are we doing on your end? I like how Andy is starting his slow transition to Niper Palpatine with the ominous growing lead right on the bottom half of his face. <laughs> Do it. Do it. Burn it all down. Oh, God. Well, un- unlimited power is something Syracuse basketball did not have this week. No, they didn't They didn't listen to the tale of Darth Plagueis the wise. Uh, before we get into the basketball thing that you're all here to listen to us rant about, to, to kind of hit on or not. what <laughs> Steve briefly mentioned in the intro, we're just going to keep saying this for the next couple of podcasts. Um, this is going to be the last month of the Troy Nunes is an absolute podcast. We were, our podcast was cut as part of the Vox cost saving measures and the, the site itself will remain. This podcast will no longer be available to listen to on the Nunes Edition website. However, if you are listening to this on a podcasting feed of your choice, or you are watching this on Twitch, nothing will change. So good for you. Uh, it's just the name that's going to change. We have something good cooked up, and we're really excited to talk about it next week. Uh, but this is uh, this is going to be the, the second to last episode of the Troy Nunes is an Absolute podcast, and we appreciate everybody who stuck with Dan and John when they started this thing up, with Steve, myself, and Christian, and all of our guests that we've we've done since then. Uh, we are not we are not going anywhere. The podcast is not going to fundamentally change at all. But for everybody here who's might be wondering what this means. It means you should subscribe on a podcasting platform of your choice or subscribe to us on Twitch, uh, which I will remind everybody at the end. Um, you know what else needed? Who else needed a reminder of things? Uh, the Syracuse team needed to remember how to rebound uh, or, you know, do general offensive things against Duke because, man, was there was say, a lot. You, we you, could ha- have, you could have just stopped that as do things. Um <laughs> Like yeah. after well, after about the twelfth minute, I was I was literally that meme like poking it with a stick, saying, "Do something, do something." Well, the biggest thing, and again, we're we're gonna really unload into this in a, in a few, but 
Syracuse did the thing where they went on a little run and they won some games against some not great teams, but not terrible teams, and gave everybody hope. And then Duke came in it was, and basically... <laughs> it was one good team and two not great teams. Uh, I agree. With I very much agree with that. But if you're looking at it optimistically, especially by ACC standings, like the ACC standings make everybody oh, yes. look... Uh, yes, because, because I... I turned to the ACC standings to develop my power rankings <laughs> in the conference. It's it is yeah it is bad. Um, so that Duke game came and especially like this is the part that got me. Um, the lead into the Duke game was Kansas Baylor, which was an absolute banger of a game. Where I don't know what Bill Self did at halftime, but I would like that for Syracuse because Kansas came out in the second half and just. It wasn't that they were structurally better than Baylor. It was just that they fought harder for every single loose ball. And it ended up being the difference in the second half for them. Meanwhile, Syracuse just kept doing the same thing, hoping that the result would magically change. And even though the game started close, uh, that, I think, what, after the first... They, Duke went on a 22-5 or 22-2 run, or like a 20... Five to five run or something like that in the first quarter that just that just iced the game and it was a five minute run. It was not like a slow death. Duke just punched Syracuse in the face and Syracuse never responded. Yep, let's move on. <laughs> Mo- moving on. I mean, we we talked about it in the pre roll and you know, uh, I it's. It's weird. I, hell, you know, maybe when we become our own podcast, we'll have a sponsored pre-roll or something, and you guys can listen to the stupidity of what we talk about before we go on air. But, um, yeah, I, I mean, we've we've touched on this ad nauseum. This team is not a mystery. This team is not an enigma. This team is not anything other than uh, what we knew them to be prior. So I don't know if it's even worth us elaborating or going deep on anything more for basketball. I'm sure we yeah. will. But it's like, I mean, the only thing that you could say is that it's a se- it's a season to season issue where the flaws of the team are are revealed early on and they don't get fixed as time goes on. Yep. So the odd blips are actually the games that they do win where they show something different. Um, i.e. NC State. Yeah, i.e. the NC State game where you know. And honestly, in the NC State game, they didn't show anything much, that much different. Maybe a little bit better rebounding, um, and that was probably the only thing that you saw from the NC State game that really swung in that favor. Because again, what we've seen ad nauseum is this Syracuse zone deciding to leave everyone open from three, and it's a crapshoot on whether teams take advantage of that or not. NC State did, and Duke did. So, because you could arc. You could argue, and I would agree, that NC State got equally as many good looks from distance that Duke did. And one of the big differences is that the Blue Devils nailed them, and NC State didn't. Yeah. The the biggest thing that I have to say about the Duke game, too, that was just really frustrating was, um, aside from the rebounding, was the general offensive confusion that seemed to exist like we went out of the nc state game and out of that three game stretch with what i felt like was a pretty consistent offensive format um jesse in the post bell uh chilling on the wings 
Drew playing off ball and letting Judah really try to cut and kick. And if he was able to get a good look inside um, because teams were over committing to Malik Brown and Jesse Edwards, um, you know, Judah would take the mid range jump shot that he likes really well. This game, Duke really did a great job of nullifying those passing lanes. Like they were doing a great job just kind of getting and playing the ball handler and making sure that they didn't have any easy outlet passes. And after that, the Syracuse offense just kind of stood around the key. And it really was, oh, wow, our one thing stopped working. Uh, Okay, we're just not going to do anything except chuck threes. And it was rather unfortunate. And it returned, and again, it also returned to another thing that, you know, flared up with Syracuse at the beginning of this season, which was a lot of dribble and hope something happens. That was basically this offense, which, again, like like you said, it wasn't the same positional-based offense in terms of, like you said, with spacing on the floor that kind of showed up in the wins against PC, FSU, and NC State, where you had more of, you know, Jesse dominating down low and, you know, having some help from Malik Brown. And instead it was, okay, let's just dribble around and hope something comes out of something. And if it doesn't, well, oh, God, there's three seconds left in the shot clock. Shoot it. And it reverted to roughly the offense that we've seen for the past how many years at this point. Yes, exactly. And there's no Tyus battle to save you from that. Right. And, I mean, yeah, Duke did a very good job of – uh, cutting off Jesse and not letting him get his shots. And, I mean, he elaborated on it in, I don't know if, I think it might have been an interview with Syracuse.com uh, where he said that, you know, they were bringing that late double, that as soon as he picked up his dribble, one of those guys was coming and crashing down on him. And that basically cut off any outlets to what he was, where he was looking to kick. But when that's happening, you've got there, – there's somebody open. There's some sort of offense to be run to get around a problem such as this. We did not have that. And and Duke did the thing that I thought they would do, which was play Ryan Young a lot with Kyle Filipowski. And so basically they did what FSU did, which was give them you know, multiple big guys on the floor at the same time. And you see that once that happens, you know, the, the paint's off limits and – it's a crapshoot on whether Syracuse gets going from range from its guards. And and Joe and Judah did at points, but by the points they got going, it was a too little, too late situation. Yeah, sounds about right. Like, I was, I was thinking about how to continue that conversation. I'm like, no, that about nails it. <laughs> um, I mean... I don't want to like cut basketball talk off 15 minutes into the into the first segment, but like. But as we've realized, there's not much the else to talk about. I, if you if you guys want us to if you guys want to hear us say the same thing week in week out, feel free to let us know, and we will gladly rant for another half hour on this. But it's like it just it feels like we're literally recanting the exact same things we've said for Besides, the whole season. Because- because because of guests and super bowels, we have a lot of things to talk about that we didn't get the t- chance to talk about. This is true. Yeah, uh, yeah. apologies to anyone who missed last week because we did too uh, with the, the, the large game that was occurring. Yes. You mean the Rihanna concert that was interrupted by a football game? Yeah, that one. <laughs> yeah. 
yeah, the one where my company was insanely busy and I just completely forgot about everything that was happening. Uh, <laughs> um, the the other well, part what, that, that I, the, what a football game that happens to be the last game of the season is yeah, a you big know for for certain companies. God, <laughs> what a concept! <laughs> what a what a what a weird concept here. Uh, I was gonna say just to like put a bow on the basketball thing. Um, we the. The Orange have four games left. They're against really good teams and Georgia Tech. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's basically it. Mm-hmm. The the odds that they finish... I remember that Casillo was the one who was like, hey, Syracuse has basically finished two and five every ACC season uh, since, the, since the Orange have joined the conference. And I'm pretty sure that that is... Uh, not going to happen this year because they'll go, you know, three and... Uh, three and four or something like they're they're gonna be they're gonna technically not have the worst finish in the acc season but uh they're not gonna be great and they're gonna need to win the tournament they're gonna need to win the acc tournament in order to get into the ncaa tournament like that's that's where this team is at period yay yeah yeah like steve have we like i again i mean this i know that the last couple of years have been similar situation but probably not as bad like last year's team needed to win the nc or we needed to win the acc tournament to get in but every other year when syracuse has missed the tournament it's been because of uh at least in my lifetime it's been because of ncaa eligibility issues um and they were you know eliminated from the tournament regardless but i cannot remember a another season where they were so far out of it that it wasn't even oh well if they make if they make a run maybe they get in it's just straight up the only way they're going to be considered for the NCAA tournament is if they force the NCAA to take them. You know that guy that's on our bench. Oh, is it the GMAC Big East year? Yeah. That would be the last one. Where was it? Was it the without Jerry McNamara year? Yeah. Oh wow, God, how poetic. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Because because for the la- for the last thing about basketball talk and then let's move on because again let's not rehash the same things we're heading very close to a similar press conference yeah 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 i mean is this year's well no because he before team though uh probably i mean it's a flip a coin that wasn't a great year there was probably there was a lot more on unseen potential on that team uh, like it was, it, it wasn't a lack of recruiting classes. It was, it was like just the recruits didn't pan out or, or whatnot. Like, uh, it just wasn't, wasn't in the cards. I can't remember. I think there was an injury or two and it was just, it wasn't the same situation as this, but the end result was the same. Like if they didn't run the Big East tournament that year, wasn't going to happen. And then they did and, you know. Then they got waxed in the NCAAs, so go figure. The team that didn't belong there didn't belong there. Ah, uh, but they, they won 10 effing games. It's they true. won 10 effing games. And this year, like, duh, you said we may be in for a similar press conference. At this point, like, with with recent past being precedent, does Jim just walk out before he gets to that point? <laughs> does he just walk out on the question? Yeah. So Maybe. <laughs> 
uh, Christian, I'm handing the roulette wheel over to you. What topic do you want to cover next that isn't lacrosse? Because we should save lacrosse for both for post break. <laughs> let's let's um let's dive into um what everyone really comes to this podcast to listen to football scheduling. Mm. Yeah, we're going Good. full disloyal idiot on this. We're just following the Casillo check uh, check boxes, aren't we? Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Here we go. So the uh, Syracuse football schedule was released um a while ago it, it feels like a while ago but it was like probably what 14 days ago or something like not really that long in a turn uh, in college no, sports no it was a while ago it was a full three weeks ago okay so it would have been yeah the the carlson week uh yeah. which is great because we're going to talk about this football schedule every single time we talk about football from here on out um but <laughs> yeah we are yeah, so the spring game, uh, this is the part of the podcast where I read a schedule of a football team. If you do not want to listen to this, skip ahead about uh, 120 seconds. Uh, spring game is Friday, April 21st. They open the season at home against Colgate on September 2nd. Uh, the next week, they play Western Michigan at the Dome. They then head out to West Lafayette to play Purdue, return home to play Army, uh, stay home to play Clemson, on our homecoming game, question mark, uh, and then set off. Keep moving. It makes sense. Yep. And then we're going to keep, and then we're going to play a month of road games, October 7th against North Carolina, October 14th, Florida state, October 26th, after a bye week on a Thursday against Virginia tech, uh, return home Friday, uh, November 3rd for a date against Boston College, then head out to New York City to play Pitt uh, on November 11th in a game that I am sure you guys have different opinions than I do. Uh, November 18th against Georgia Tech in Atlanta. I will be there just prepping everybody now. And then November 25th after Thanksgiving, that Saturday, they will play Wake Forest at the Dome. Gentlemen, um, once again, the Orange have a very clear stretch of games where we can see this shit going sideways um it starts and once again it starts with clemson um the new scheduling format does not give syracuse all that much of a boost we get both uh members of the acc title game uh florida state a virginia tech team that is in a weird spot um, on the road again, the second time in a row we've been playing at Virginia Tech. Um, and then obviously uh, the Georgia Tech game, which is kind of weird, uh, but Georgia Tech's in a weird spot. Are there, aside from the, the stretch of death in late September, early October, is there anything that stands out on the schedule for you, Christian? Um, it's hard because the stretch of death is the thing that stands out about the schedule. And then, and then maybe just you you know what? Because that that's the uh, the obvious stretch of that is the schedule for those who who are clueless about what we're kind of talking about. Clemson at North Carolina at Florida State. All three of those teams are expected to be ranked in the preseason top ten when August. I would comes argue out. that those are the three favorites to win the ACC this year. In that, yeah, uh, maybe Florida State above North Carolina, but roughly in that order. Yeah, and the fact that you face two of them on the road is a recipe for much needed disaster. Beyond that, the following three stretches of games are also going to be tough because weekday games 
no matter how you look at them, are a crapshoot. And also, the, considering they come off a buy, in which Dino Babers has historically looked incredibly awful with his Syracuse team coming off buys. Right. 2022 notwithstanding. Yes. Um, but that's because Devin Leary got injured. And then NC State's defense forgot how to defense. Right. Um, then it's it's a it's like a half shortened week with the Thursday game at Virginia Tech, and for some weird reason, Virginia Tech fans get more hyped for a weeknight game than they do for a Saturday game. So, but but also Lane Stadium at night anytime is just good for Virginia Tech fans, and so because it's at night, it's probably a very helpful thing for them. A Friday game against Boston College because we haven't seen enough of those already. And then another weird game going to Yankee Stadium. Um, like, that's a... Coming off a of bye, that's a hard thing to reset afterwards. Yeah, It would have been better if those games were Saturday, Saturday, Saturday. But because you go Thursday, Friday, and then Saturday at neutral site, it that can get weird and do things to for your team's mental psyche. Especially coming off the back of the stretch of death. Yeah, yeah, that's not that's not great. Um, Kevin also brought up a good good weird point uh, before that in the season. Not to go complete doom and gloom on this schedule. Um, the you have your first road game against or at Purdue, then come back and have to prep for whatever the hell Army is. Like triple option weirdness completely screw up every semblance of anything you had and then just welcome Clemson to the dome after that. Yeah, I would were we studying 2009 Georgia Tech tapes? I mean it's yeah, yeah, pretty much. There's there's actually I will need to find this. There is a great old episode of the Split Zone Duo where Stephen Godfrey came back did he did a month long embed with the Army football team. Um, and basically got really in depth on like how service academy, the, the point was like, how does a service academy actually work? Um, they're such this unique animal that exists within the college football landscape. Um, and he was talking about talking with other coaches week by week and prepping for a service academy is by far and away the least favorite thing that any coach has to do because it's it's so specialized. You do not have the players on your roster to run a true scout team against whatever you're about to see. And then additionally, you have to throw everything out after that week. Mm -hmm. There is nothing about that week that you can prep for on the defensive side of the ball that will carry over to any other game. Even and because especially now with today's like RPO heavy style, even though there is some similar elements to it, the army army is now basically running a wishbone formation. Like they have taken it back to the 1900s and it is, it's like they have, it's not that they've devolved football. It's just that when everybody went, the option with really fast and spread out army decided let's run the option really slow and really condensed. <laughs> well, luckily, luckily Syracuse has an ROTC cadet on, on its roster. So really, yeah. Insider nice. scooping. <laughs> yeah, so, so like, like you know, there, there, there's something on the scout team that can maybe replicate that. Yeah. Um. 
let's talk about the pit game because I think I might be the only person in the world who thinks that this is a net win for the for the university. Pardon my French. For the it's fucking stupid. Well, my argument to it, my argument is this: you are pissing off your core fan base. However, your core fan base is very small, and you were going to get twenty five thousand people in the dome for that game, anyways. Um, it wasn't going to be homecoming. It wasn't going to be parents' weekend. Uh, that game is the eternal Syracuse. They do everything to try to sell a game between a maybe bowl eligible but banged up Syracuse and a pit team that we have firmly established as a fan base is not our rival. Uh, right. They, so, they are a other, rival without well, being a rival. They're about to be. Yeah. Well, this is, and this is the thing is that I think this no, game. Remember, because remember, we're playing them every season. Mm-hmm. Yes. But like this is the thing is that we've played them every season since 1979 or something like it. This has been a rivalry that just no one on either side gives a shit about because Syracuse football cares about its rivalry with West Virginia more than it does with with Pitt. And Pitt cares about its rivalry with West Virginia more than it cares about the rivalry with Syracuse. We both care about West Virginia far more than we care about each other, um, which is very funny. But all the more That's reason why, why West Virginia needs to join the ACC sooner rather than later. Right. And so I think that we're at a point where it's like, listen, you're going to get 25000 paying very minimal costs to attend this in the Dome, or you get this game on ESPN, on ESPN or ABC, you get the same amount of fans paying double the ticket costs uh, for both sides. Like, Pitt is not immune from this situation at all. If Syracuse is playing at Pitt it's probably less people attending that game at Heinz field. Um, like this is a net win for both programs who need this series and need this rivalry to become something. And this game, unless it is played as the last game of the season or the first game of the season, never sell this game. Like it, it's really, it's going to piss off the core fan bases for both sides. But like the reality of the situation is the core fan bases for both sides are so small. It doesn't matter. Oh yeah, um, I I totally get it. My statement is strictly as a season ticket holder. It's not as <laughs> anything else. Uh, so like this I, is I'll, this is the cl- I, oh, I will say like Andy, I agree with all your points. I think that's a great I, a great thing. The only reason why I hate this game is because I saw what happened to the field last time Syracuse played on it two months ago, and considering what we saw to got uh, last week, football ain't great when the field ain't great. No. No, no, it's not. And that turf was not great last week for anyone who was living in a box yeah. and didn't see the stupidity of random injuries and slips and whatever and, in Phoenix. And also, if if what I'm hoping is true and the Yankees make a deep playoff run, the grounds crew ain't going to have a lot of time to fix the field. Well, I think that the other part of it is that that field had been used and had been out for several other events prior to the pinstripe bowl. It seems like this will be the first non-baseball thing to take place on the field. Does that mean it will be good? No. no. <laughs> it's just a very different state of the field. Um, and I do think that not playing it in the middle of, like... I'm just going to say the mean thing. New York City winters are incredibly mild by Syracuse standards. I know I'm going to get laughed at for this, but, like, this climate is not built to retain to like grow grass very well after oh, like September or October. Uh, so like the fact that it's that it's even there is 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 a bit surprising. 
you know, uh, as you're also a soccer fan, England would like a word with you. Scotland would as well. <laughs> and guess, and guess if what? If they can do it, what the yeah. hell? Yeah, I was going to say, like, well, some of the teams there, yeah. they're probably smaller budgets, do a pretty good job of retaining, of maintaining their pitches. Yeah. Okay, not to, not to turn this into like a football turf podcast, which which I do have a guess for that if we ever wanted to go there. <laughs> yes. Uh, of course no, no, do not threaten Christian and I with a good time. <laughs> <laughs> One of the biggest differences between a soccer turf field and a football turf field that we saw when uh, the NFL was playing those games is that football turf, because the cleats are so much bigger and deeper, you have like the grass and the soil is fundamentally different than when you're building a soccer pitch mm-hmm. because you're trying. And so there is a little bit of a difference going on there. Although I will it, take the point that it is why ta- gra- it, it is why Tottenham literally rolls its soccer pitch underneath yeah. its stadium to play football. Yep. Yes. I will say though, again, not to, Oh man, we could go really off topic here. Um, I am Us not never. looking. F- I am not looking forward to the 2026 World Cup if the Super Bowl is any intention because that is the system that NFL teams are looking at for the World Cup in order to meet the FIFA grass compliance is to do what Arizona does. Well, and that turf. Well, on the bright side, they're not going to have to paint the pitch because what we saw with the turf there in Arizona was the really like in the areas where the grass wasn't painted. It held up pretty fine. Yeah. But where it was heavily painted with the NFL logos and the Super Bowl logos on the 25s, that's where a lot of the slipping was happening. Just wait for just wait for uh, whoever the U.S. soccer head is at that time to convince uh, FIFA that it would be a great marketing and sponsorship opportunity to paint sponsors onto the grass. Just you wait. <laughs> Um, yeah, but also, uh, the the only way this could go, obviously, really, really bad, if someone John Terry's from the penalty spot. Sorry, yeah. Steve. <laughs> Too soon, man. Too soon. Uh, sorry. I'm glad that we just derailed this podcast with a conversation about sports turf, uh, which, yeah, I'll have to see if Elsa... That's, very, if that's very on brand of us. Come on. What oh, did you 100%. Expect? Um, should we get back to the football? Because we do have a ton more that we didn't cover, including National Signing Day and also uh, S&P yeah. Plus <laughs> and National Signing Day. Combines and all sorts of stuff. Yes, but not before we shout out our friends Home Field Apparel, maker of the finest vintage collegiate gear that you will find on the internet. Home Field Apparel is in the middle of their refreshes of several schools. And if you did not see... Steve is, for those of you watching on Twitch, is wearing one of the newest pieces of the Syracuse collection, the Ringer tee. Uh, if you would like this tee, too bad. It is out of stock. It was a limited edition item. However, there is still amazing Syracuse gear online, and make sure to keep an eye out and follow so- uh, Homefield Apparel on their social media accounts, because you never know what might be dropped for a limited release come March. Uh, if you have never bought something from Home Field Apparel, shame on you. But you can use the promo code NUNES, N-U-N-E-S, for 10% off your first order at our friends Home Field Apparel. Uh, gentlemen, let's not talk vintage. Let's talk the future. National Signing Day. It happened. Syracuse added bodies. A couple of and them. They, and they added a total of two. Right, and one of yes. them was uh, Big Tom Callahan, so... I think uh, I think we're in for some <laughs> brake pad sales soon. I was gonna say 
it really remember when national signing day was like the biggest day on our site just in terms of busyness because it was crazy and chaotic and it was the one day that football could add players and now with the early signing period everybody forgets that it happens because i I was gonna say christian doesn't because it was before it's been gone that long before he even (laughs) started writing with us it's just such a weird it's such a it's so weird that national signing day is such an afterthought now um like even for a school like Syracuse, they're just like, if we didn't get you in the early window, meh, meh. no worries. Yeah. Sounds right. It, transfer portal doesn't doesn't help either. Like to be to be completely honest. Which on that note, um, I haven't done the math to look and see how many players scholarship players are on Syracuse's roster, but I feel like with all the transfers that we've had and the light class coming in this year. There's there's room for some scholarship transfers to come in, and I feel like that was probably intended. I think there's still roster room. Uh, I don't have. Uh, I haven't looked at the Casilla spreadsheet of Doom recently, so um, I'm so glad we still use that. Oh, 100. <laughs> percent. Uh, it's it's been a lifesaver for, for years. Um, but yeah, I I would think you know either. Either, especially with the May portal reopening as well, there's definitely spots for people to come in uh, after spring ball. I'm sure people will be leaving because that's how it always works. Um, so yeah, we'll see. We'll see how, where, and what that does. It's uh, it's gonna be. It's. I mean, we're we're still in the wild west of this transfer thing, but I think it's starting to. We're we're starting to figure out when and how things are happening a little. Neat. It happened. We'll probably break down the roster lots more going into spring ball. Um, I did not check to see who all the early enrollees are, but I saw that it was a decent number. I think it was double digits. Yeah. Um, all the all the big all the the top half of the class is basically all early enrolled, and that's the most important thing. Absolutely. Uh, of note, we uh, per per Bill C because Bill C is Bill C. Uh, we are. Uh, doing quite well in the returning production rankings with uh, 20 there we're ranking 23rd with 73% of our production returning now the yeah, problem which... is where that production is returning mm-hmm. and the Steve, things that I think this is a gr- what's that let's talk SP plus oh boy we're going down the rabbit hole well it's gonna be like that you know Bill C's been plugging away the numbers to look at uh you know what the early SP plus rankings. So this is based solely on returning production, his models, um, the the things that the preseason SP plus is, is gives you a rough gist of where teams are. Um, it's not an exact one for one final, but you do get to see a lot of the tiers that teams start to uh, start to fall into. And for Syracuse fans, it's it's not ideal. It's the same. It's what we're used to. Um, and at the same time, if you look at our schedule, we're pretty much in that dead nuts in the middle of what we'd expect. Uh, the way the current 2023 opponents are ranked in the spring, well, I guess not spring, may it be the spring when he does the refresh, uh, the current SP Plus rankings, Florida State 11, Clemson 12, North Carolina 28, Pitt 40, Purdue 49, Wake 52, Syracuse 59, uh, Virginia Tech 69, Georgia Tech 70, BC 72, Army 87, Western Michigan 125. 
So yeah, we're which means we're losing to Western Michigan. A hundred percent. We'll probably beat Florida State and lose to Western Michigan somehow because Syracuse. Yeah, and I think the other. So that's uh, Dino's first year in 2016, where we lost to Scott Schaefer, Middle Tennessee, and then beat Virginia Tech. Yep, hundred percent. Yep. The other thing to kind of that I always like to look at with SP Plus is that obviously there is the ranking, like where you fall relative to the school, but the actual rating itself. Um, there is a top four tier in in college football where Georgia, Ohio State, Michigan, and Alabama are within four points of each other. You then get a huge gap where number eleven Florida State is as close to number is as close to number five Penn State uh, as they are to number twenty five Wisconsin. Um, so the top four in college football is really settled. The top rest of it is all varying degrees of like, oh, you could kind of see that happening. And then to the point that we were kind of talking about that middle of the pack uh, area, Syracuse is a is like has a 2.4 ranking. Um, there's a lot of single digit teams. Once you drop after lieu of like once you get to 37, it's all single digit teams. And yeah. we've got a lot of teams in that 40 and 50 range. And that's where you, again, hope that Syracuse is able to figure it out enough to make those games competitive and get enough of those toss-ups to win, you know, the six games necessary to go to a bowl game. Yeah, and of note, we were 57th in the May rankings uh, last year, so. Seems about about right. The more things change, the more things stay the same. Mm -hmm. Which is a great segue into lacrosse. Well, things are definitely not staying the same. For the well, women, they kind of are. They're just winning and winning. Yes. Well, actually, no. That I guess this week well, was a little different. Well, this, both these well, this, wins were different. Yeah, no. For for both teams, it was different. Yeah. I was mostly saying uh, the teams are both like looking decent in the beginning of the season, yet with some really shaky hiccups that make you worry about their national con- uh, championship contending status. Uh, and then there's the obligatory ACL injury. Like, um, it's just every year, the first lacrosse preview. Christian, talk about this really talented team that almost lost to a team that they shouldn't. Talk about them blowing out a team that we didn't expect them to blow out. Who tore their ACL? Yeah, exactly. Um, like, let's get to why this is different first. Especially for the women's. Because, like, the teams they beat were not unnotable. <laughs> I mean... That might be an understatement of the year. <laughs> Like first, like first, they got their revenge over uh, Northwestern. Um, who, if you remember, Northwestern beat Syracuse last year in the uh, Elite Eight, or was it the Final Four? It was one of those two uh, to knock them out of the tournament. And so, like, and that, that's your first start. And then they beat, and then they knocked off number two Maryland, and that one was a lot more convincing. Yeah, that wasn't that wasn't knocking off. That was beating down. Mm-hmm. I think the most impressive thing for me from that women's lacrosse victory over Maryland was uh, the goalkeeping play as Delaney Schweitzer uh, made 13 saves, 11 goals allowed. And goalkeeping on both teams was a problem last last year. Yes. So um, this was a very encouraging sign to see uh, um, maybe Schweitzer might be the person who is the one who essentially holds down the front and the in the cage 
which, you know, that team sorely needed last year. Same with the men. The men have their answer also this year, and Will Mark, um, who, if you guys remember, like about a month ago, said you know, he was the favorite to be the starter uh, in goal because he was preseason honorable mention All-American. And he's lived he's lived up to that, especially in the two games, or the three games, I should say, against Vermont, uh, Albany, and Holy Cross. Had a little bit of a hiccup against uh, Maryland. I'll be honest, I didn't watch the Maryland game because I don't want to pay for Big Ten Plus to watch one game. Mm. Um, and I, I think a lot of people can attest to that. Um, yeah. Um, so... And like I say, he had a like an off game because he allowed 15 goals. He still made 18 saves. <laughs> so, like, he, Will Mark's good. Um, he does have two first names, though. Yes, which makes it very, very confusing. Um, let, let's. Uh, um, I'll stick with the men and talk about them a little bit more. Um, Steve's favorite player, uh, Owen Hiltz, is still doing things. Mm-hmm. Um, He's very he he looks all the part to be like in that like he's he's completely recovered from his injury. He's still making incredible passes from the left side and you know, making great plays. But of course, the offense runs through Joey Spelina. I was going to say he needs to uh, flash less on the shooting front when you can just pass to whatever Spelina's been doing. Yeah. Well, not not just Spelina, but like you have a couple right. of crease monkeys right now, and Alex Simmons and Jackson Burstwhistle, who are uh, really sitting on the crease a lot. Uh, speaking about Burstwhistle's having an excellent start to the season, um, I don't think a lot of people expected him to be on the first line on the midfield, uh, but he has been, and he's been excellent. Well, didn't he pick it up towards the end of last year too? Yeah, he had a, he had a, he had a he scored it in the last each of the last four games. I remember, I, yeah, I remember yeah. like distinctly hearing an uptick in how often I was hearing yeah. about him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so so we had a great end to last season, and it's good to see that he's carried it on. I mean, he was um, the only person with a hat trick on Syracuse's side um, against Maryland, and I mean, he, he's he's been great to start the season on a line with two very very talented freshmen in Finn Thompson and Michael Leo. Um, also, Finn Thompson is personally one of my favorite players to watch because he is really really good. Um, um, if he if he gets a bit more freedom to let the ball go in terms of like getting creative passes or getting creative shots, um, he could be a very very integral part for the next couple of seasons. Canada's um, college team, yeah. Owen Hiltz, Finn Thompson, we got we got everybody. I believe I believe Simmons is also Canadian. Yes, he yes is. he is. Um, because a lot was made about this team about having a lot of box lacrosse skills, mm. um, and you see that a lot with a lot of the play in, in the front of the net. Um. And then Spelina. I mean, God, he's... Um, did you guys see the goal that he yeah. scored over the weekend? Yeah. Like, that's... That is what... That's one of the goals that made up his highlight reel. I mean, not the exact same goal, but, like, that's what... Those are the type of goals you were expecting to see from Joey Spelina. It's those, how the hell did you do that type of things. Right. Like, the ball was in the net before the goalie reacted. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's I, uh, to to see him actually live up to the hype that yeah. has been around, surrounding him for what mm-hmm. two years now. Yeah, so that's like the like the only thing the only knock on him right now is that the shooting accuracy could be a bit better. Um, but but that's because he just takes a high volume of shots, 
which is, you know, what, what you're going to see from a player of his caliber. Yep. Um, right now, the biggest problem for the men um, is a problem that Andy is probably way too familiar with. It's face-offs. <laughs> every single year. No, actually not every single year. Just every year that I get invested in men's lacrosse, either because I have to cover the team or because I'm enjoying the team, face-offs. I still think I, I'm not going to go on my face-off rant. It's too early in the season for this. It's too early in the season for this. <laughs> I mean, the cool thing is that in the PLL Championship Series that's happening uh, this month, um, they're doing the new. They're doing the uh, the international six-on-six style, where um, I'm not sure if you know what that is, uh, Andy. The six-on-six lacrosse style in outdoor, where um, face-offs only occur at the start of quarters, and if a goal is scored. A goalie turned rakes and immediately starts to play. Oh, yeah. This sounds like my heaven. <laughs> so, like that's that's going to be showing up in the PLL Championship Series, which is happening this month. I still, um, yeah. I guess it does seem like it's a really dumb idea to just have an entire position dedicated to somebody standing there getting a face off and then leaving the field. Yeah, <laughs> I, I remember the. I remember being mind blown when I first learned what Fogo meant, and then when I could tell people who don't know lacrosse what Fogo means. Yep. <laughs> so, um, yeah, Johnny Ritchuzo won seven of thirty from the dot against Maryland. That is not fifty percent, which I believe the over the last uh, two seasons you have referred to as the bellwether for what you need yes. to be doing. 50% is where you want to like stabilize at. Yeah. Um, maybe a fluctuation of 10 or so percent is fine. Um, like if, and that, and that was his so first like 40, bad game. 40% would be like the Mendoza line. I, w- I would more say 45%. Okay. Um, gotcha. yeah. But, uh, like against, uh, like, because that's like what Richusa did against Vermont. Mm-hmm. Um, if you remember, uh, Vermont a couple seasons ago had Tommy Burke who completely crushed Syracuse from the dot and this time only went 9 of 16 when Ruchuza went uh, 7 of 16. Um so like that like you'll you'll take that against a world class faceoff guy in Vermont. Um All right, but then you turn around and do what you did this week, so. Yeah. Like because Syracuse had his chances against uh Maryland. I should probably say the score at this point about what that Maryland score was. It was uh, 15-12. Um Again, very on brand on brand with the podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> Go so, ahead and uh, tell you the facts later. It's fine. Exactly. Um, so, like, to go 7 of 30 from the dot, um, 7 of 31 if you can count the one other guy who took a face off for Syracuse, um, like, and only lose by three is impressive. And that's, um, I guess... To only lose by three to Maryland, who, what were they, two they were or four? four? Uh, they were women four. Women were two. Maryland women were two. Maryland well, number four. Maryland was weird because they had a wide, wild. This is the first time in a while that I've seen such a wild spread between media and lacrosse, media and uh, coaches polls. Yeah. Because they were uh, they were four, I think, in the coaches, but nine in the media. So, like, that... that in lacrosse, that's a significant spread. Yeah, weird. Mm-hmm. Huh. So, um, and that's because and that's because uh, Maryland was coming off a loss. They did not look good in a loss to Loyola, um, who I believe was unranked. 
Right, and then just Loyola followed it up with thromping Johns Hopkins as well. Yeah, but that's because Johns Hopkins is not Johns Hopkins anymore. Right, but you know, uh, Loyola's, it's always funny with lacrosse because you get like the Loyola's where you're like, any other sport? (laughs) Like, oh, they got beat by Loyola? What the hell? And you're like, oh wait, it's Loyola in lacrosse. That's a whole different ball game. Mm -hmm. Literally. Very much so. It's like Johns Hopkins. It's like, I've never heard of Johns Hopkins. Yeah, because their only D1 sport is lacrosse. Right. You got you got beat by Denver? Denver has a team? Yes, they have a team. They're decent at lacrosse. They're, <laughs> Denver only has one of the all-time most legendary coaches leading them. Right. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Delaware is in the top 25. Yeah. And Delaware actually makes decent runs every now and then. Yeah. Um. The, the cupcake games for Syracuse are out of the way um, in terms of the early part of the schedule. You have a couple of traditional ones in the middle part of the schedule, but now you get to a very, very uh, tough stretch um, with uh, with Carolina, Duke, and Hopkins. Mm-hmm. So. Do we get some reprieve in between that and whenever we have to play Mar- or, uh, Virginia? Yes. We, okay. get, uh, we get Hofstra... Uh, Luckily, we only play Virginia once this year, um, which is great. Um, st- oh, God. I do have to find my way to that uh, the Hopkins game. Yes. Because that's mm-hmm. Mikey's Mikey's jersey retirement. Mikey's, that is Mike Powell's re- retirement jersey. Like, mm-hmm. Yeah, the return of Hopkins to the Dome. and Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Did we, again, did again, we get a full look at the new lacrosse jerseys yet? Um, they're, they're the same as last year's. Uh, the the away ones aren't the 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 home ones are the same. It's just the script with blues, like yeah, like I'm I I'm I'm fifty fifty on it. Like it it doesn't look it doesn't look great on TV camera. I think it looks I think it looks better in person. Yeah, I'm looking at the photos. Sorry, I'm looking at the photos now on Qs.com, and somehow my browser hasn't completely shit the bed. Um, but yeah, it does look very plain i but that but that's what i think the style that they were going for yeah fine yeah like, i will say just i think now every team has script syracuse incorporated into their jerseys in some way not not football yeah except for football which is kind of wild but i also feel like my my spidey senses are tingling that we might it might be time it might be time not yeah. to get rid of the blockhouse but yeah, yeah I was gonna say get like a special one with this on the uh, this on the helmet I I that'd be really cool like a one off or <laughs> something I, 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 if you thought I, the say, were, if you thought the jerseys were pointing the helmets are definitely not I was oh, gonna yeah, say those... the helmets are yeah the cross helmets are I kind of love it oh have you seen the custom lids they're dropping for this though. It's it's insane. No. Oh, they're nuts. Yeah, for they're, okay, they're literal look. works of art, man. All right, I'm gonna take this. I'm gonna look on Twitter right now. I was gonna say for the football script thing, it's I I wonder. It's not like we have a game that's being marked as like the hundredth anniversary in a historic football event happening this year at a neutral site or anything. Like you know, not yeah. It's not like we're <laughs> we're gonna be riding this pit bus the whole way home, aren't we? <laughs> Jesus, Andy. Well, it, it, this is this this is it worth it if we get script football uniforms and helmets out of it. No, what we're getting Maybe. is Syracuse is going to run out of the dugout in pink and green uniforms. 
with Vita the goat on the helmet. Yeah. <laughs> they're all, no, they're all just going to wear the Vita the goat uh, uh, home field T-shirt. That's going to be the jersey. For yeah, the you got to do it like they would have back then. You right. just put the T-shirt over the pads and call it a day. <laughs> Uh, I just took it off the rails. I'm sorry, guys. Oh, that tail end is not pretty either. I just finished looking at the schedule. Yeah. So there's that Mm three-game stretch, and then you get some nice... And then then look at the five-game stretch to end it. Right. You get Hofstra, (laughs) St. Bonnie, and Hobart. I don't know how Hobart is this year, but you know, some years they're great. Some years they're Hobart. Um, And then Notre Dame, Princeton, or at Princeton... UNC at Virginia at Duke. Oh. And and that UNC game is a neutral in Maryland. Oh, didn't catch that. Yep, played at Our Lady of Good Counsel High School. What the what? It's a recruiting event. Yeah. Okay, apparently two, two schools need to recruit the DMV harder. Uh, wow, that's I, I mean, let's, great. I mean, who, who played in last year's championship game? Mm-hmm. Wow, this why? Wow. Yeah, so yeah the 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 last the last game at home for Syracuse, the last regular season home game is April first. The Princeton game isn't even televised. That'll probably be on ESPN Plus. Yeah, they probably pick something up. No, that that'll be on ESPN Plus. And then Hofstra is Lacrosse TV. I didn't even know that was a thing. Nah, me neither. All right, cool. Yeah. Now you do. Let, let's touch on the uh, let's touch on the women real quickly because yes, um, as right. well because um, they actually have a game tomorrow um, because women's across is crazy with scheduling all the time. Oh, I was gonna uh, say, can we take a second and like, for lack of a better description, shit on the athletic department for scheduling the women's lacrosse game on Friday at three o'clock? Yeah. What? Like that was a top ten matchup, you threw at three o'clock on a Friday and called the what students' night or something, yeah, and tried to market it. Like, come on, guys! <laughs> like, come on, really? You, the official attendance there was uh, twelve fifty eight, which was less than what they got on opening day. So weird. Like, I don't. I just don't get it. Yeah. There's um, you, there's nothing to get when there's nothing you know actually there. Point. Yeah. Point. So um, l- l- let's play let's play guess the stats here because um, I'll, I'll just throw out a couple of stats. Megan Carney for the women's lacrosse team. Um, remember they've only played two games. Okay, let's preface this: the women's lacrosse team has only played two games. Megan Carney has eight goals, eight points. Emma Ward has eight points as well, three goals, five assists. Emma Tyrell coming uh, back from a season-ending injury a year ago has done well, five goals and two assists for seven points. How many points does Megan Tyrell have? (laughs) Preg was just making noises. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, I'm going to go with 15. That seems high. Uh, I'll go with 16. I'll play Price's Right rules. Guess what? Both of you are not high enough. She has 19. Yes, I win by Price's oh. Right rules. <laughs> <laughs> you did not go over, which is indeed correct. Um, 
Yeah, Tyrell, Megan Tyrell has eight goals and 11 assists for 19 points, and that's through two games. Is this why she was the preseason player of the year? Yes. Okay. Yeah, because those two games were against number two and number four. It's not mm-hmm. like she's padding her stats against cupcakes. No. And against North <laughs> against Northwestern, she had two goals and six assists, which for her standards is a small game. Right. Uh, against, because, against, because against Maryland, she had five assists and six goals. Do, against Binghamton, do they just sit her in the second half? Or? Either that or they throw her out there to pad stats. <laughs> right. Like, do you want the Tuartan? Okay, here. Have a yeah. game against Bingo. <laughs> Yeah, and like and and honestly, for women's lacrosse, they're cruising until March eleventh. They're they're like cruising until then, because that then then you get then they have actually a relatively touch their their first relatively tough stretch of four tough games uh, versus Notre Dame at Loyola at Duke and then versus Stony Brook. That'll be really funny, actually. Uh, Are the men at home? During May twenty second, I mean March twenty second. I need to look this up. Uh, they are home. Yeah, they will Bonnie. be. Yeah, yeah, they will be because because remember, jo- Joey Spolina's dad is the head coach of yeah. Only Brook Women's Lacrosse. Yep. So that'll be funny. <laughs> Who again? Speaking of lacrosse being weird, Stony Brook's number five and are always good every year. So mm-hmm. uh, for anybody well, who's mean, listening to yeah. this that isn't a normal like women's lacrosse yeah. every year I mean, in recent to, history to, yeah you get you get to recruit you get to recruit long island right there that's gonna yeah. that's gonna help a bit yep mm-hmm. i mean plus the guy who coaches there you know has produced some pretty good lacrosse talent yeah you know okay yeah. i mean after that stony brook game and women's cross also gets another like comfortable stretch before <laughs> before also ending the schedule with two awful opponents well, it's like it's probably a four. You know, you could probably call it a four game. Clemson's going to be a whatever, but no, Virginia. No, no, Clemson's not. Huh? This is Clemson's first year. That's what I'm saying. Clemson's going to be a whatever, but yeah, yeah. Virginia and then uh, and oh, Virginia, Virginia, Virginia women's lacrosse is the best. It's I mean, not. It's not men's lacrosse. Level. They're ranked thirteenth. But Duke is all. But Duke is normally ranked eighth. And Duke's, Syracuse has blown them out a couple of times. True. Oh yeah, I forget. It's one of those like kind of like women's basketball where it falls. Yeah, women's women's lacrosse is very very top heavy. Yeah. Yeah, it's like the old school uh, UConn days where it was like yeah. three or four teams. It was yeah. like uh, Pat Summit's Tennessee UConn, and then everybody exactly, else. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which, which is why I'm a little like hesitant with like lacrosse rankings because like like I said, right. it's very top heavy. Yeah, the men. It's because the men used to be like that too. It used to be, but there's now but now there's grown a ton to, of right. There's a ton of parody in men's. Yep, and that's why we haven't seen a final four in a while, and among forever. other yeah, among yeah. other reasons. Yep. Yeah, I mean, at the same uh-huh. time, you know, it has to be said. I don't think women's lacrosse could have started the season better. This was the perfect start to the season. Yeah. Like, okay, like, like, even if you got two wins from those teams, if you, or at least one win, that would have been fine. But the fact you got two wins and one of them was a blowout win is impressive. Yeah. And then when you see what Megan Tyrell did, especially against Maryland, you got a lot of hope. Did I miss, did we talk about, 
like the the women are a gate lacrosse team. They're the programs are gate lacrosse. The men is too. Oh, men's are too. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, because they they have gate lacrosse on the uh they have gate lacrosse sponsorship on the uh on the uh on the side of the goals and the oh. dome. Okay. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Because it was—it's technically not Gary. Gary technically has nothing to do with the company anymore. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It's all Paul. Which uh, for also like to not end on end the podcast on a sour note, but you know, hope ho, ho Paul's doing okay. He got into a yeah. bad accident at his uh, at the uh, uh, factory. I think in, it's in the Albany region where he uh, fell and right now is wheelchair bound and and could be looking at paralysis for the rest of his life yeah, which really really sucks hadn't heard any updates in the last like week or so but yeah yeah definitely yeah uh, definitely thoughts out to him so we'll see keep keep people updated if we hear anything mm-hmm. yeah um also kind of like on the serious note while we have a moment here i do want to call out a syracuse alum playing for the canadians women's soccer team uh, Lisanne Perot, who is a goalkeeper, got called up to the Canadians women's national team and has been a very vocal and front and center member of the women's protest that is taking place. Uh, the Canadians women's team is currently playing the She Believes Cup under protest, alleging that Team Canada did not compensate them for the last season. And uh, going into the Women's World Cup year, they want guarantees and a collective bargaining agreement that guarantees them compensation going into this important year. They thought about sitting out the tournament, but again, it's a World Cup year. Um, Canada is an incredibly talented team. Uh, and uh, so shouts out to Lisanne, who I believe is just graduated from yeah. the from the program maybe mm-hmm. a year or two ago. Um, Last year. And it, yeah, so she's front and center of, of these protest efforts. And uh, wanted to express our solidarity with her, uh, as you know, this is this is not a fun situation to find yourself in as a as a 23 year old uh, professional soccer player. Um, but we wish her the best uh, with with that uh, continued struggle as they are playing games not wearing the Canadian shirt. So it's this is this is a whole thing. Yep. Uh, I was gonna say is uh, as we as we head into as we head into the final minutes here. Are there? Did we? Did I miss anything? Did we forget anything that is semi important? Uh, women's basketball won today. Mm. Yeah, yeah, they beat Miami. They finally held on to win a game. Yeah, they are, um, they are easily the best three quarter team in the country. Gotta start off with that. Yeah, just watch three quarters of their game after you watch a men's basketball game, and you'll be happy. Mm-hmm. Don't watch the fourth quarter. <laughs> You'll still be happier than if you watched a full men's game. That uh, is also well, very true. Oh, because we are a uh, track and field broadcast. Uh, Freddie Cretendon said a uh, uh, became a U.S. champion in sixty meters huddle. Uh, hey, we are a track and field school. Yeah, Kevin Wall. Kevin Wall will be happy. Uh, and with that, thank you very much for listening to the penultimate episode of Troy Nunes is an absolute podcast. We really appreciate it. Again, uh, we really appreciate the support that you've given us. If you've been listening to us by going to newsmagician.com, uh, we'll be doing that for one more week. But after that, you're going to need to do all the things that I talked about at the end of the show that you probably ignore. Make sure that you like and subscribe. If you're listening to us on your 
podcast player of choice. That could be Spotify, Apple Podcasts, TuneIn, Stitcher, whatever it may be. Uh, make sure you like, subscribe, help us trick the algorithm into expanding the Ottoman Empire. If you're watching live on Twitch, thank you so much. We really do appreciate the support. We normally do this Sunday nights at 8 p.m. Eastern, uh, and uh, the recordings are always up on Twitch after the fact. If you like to look at me spin around in my swivel chair and play with my hat five million times uh, during the course of the show. Um, we will be back again next week for the final episode of Troy News as an Absolute Podcast. I'm sure something interesting will happen in the meantime. Uh, and we may or may not talk about turf. Cannot make any promises. We probably go will. orange. <laughs> go orange. Go orange. Go orange. <laughs>